Hello, and welcome to Fit for Future Utilities, Arcadis's podcast exploring what utilities need in order to be fit for future. I'm Stephanie Kay, and we continue the series today with resilience. Coming up in this episode. For water, maximum resilience means 24 hour a day, potable water, 365 days a year for your entire service population forever. We need to prepare for the disaster of, of the future. Um, you know, using the past as our benchmark, you really want to look forward uh, where we may be in 10, 20, 30 years from now, uh, depending on how our you know, urban centers uh, develop. The knowledge of the people to manage and direct the work, to do it efficiently and proactively is, is really more critical than the physical system itself. We'll hear from three subject matter experts to find out how a resilient mindset can help prepare water utilities to be fit for future. Plus, we'll examine some resilience success stories today on Fit for Future Utilities. The term resilience encompasses a wide range of issues impacting water utilities. So how do experts in the field define the term and what it means for the industry? So from my perspective, resilience is the ability to meet your mission no matter what. Carly Foster is Urban and Community Resilience Practice Lead at Arcadis. So for water, maximum resilience means 24 hour a day, potable water, 365 days a year for your entire service population forever. And so that can mean sidestepping, absorbing, and adapting to shocks and stresses. But it can also mean transforming when you have to in order to meet that mission. Yeah, I would say, you know, resilience really requires uh, that holistic uh, and systematic uh, approach or water systems uh, approach where yeah, all these layers of complexities are, are being, uh, being captured. Edgar Westerhoff is National Director for Flood Risk and Resilience at Arcadis. We, we tend to focus on the day-to-day -day, uh, operations, like the, the the water management that utilities are dealing with. Uh, but there's also, you know, what we call water accounting. Uh, so data mining, data gathering, uh, data analysis. Um, and that is needed you know, to inform the day-to-day -day operations or you know, the water management aspects. Uh, but it also informs water governance, how utilities uh, are dealing with their challenges. Uh, how they work with their peers, with their stakeholders, uh, how they utilize data um, to inform you know, the, these processes. So it's really about that holistic, uh, integrated systems uh, approach to, uh, to their challenges. Carly says that when people think about resilience, sometimes they put too much focus on natural hazards and malevolent threats. Even lack of alignment between authority, responsibility, and resource, resources and governance issues are often bigger threats. Workforce development issues, poor asset management, lack of funding for necessary capital improvements. Another misunderstanding is this idea that resilience and sustainability are mutually exclusive or are not sort of part of the same essential paradigm. I think of sustainability as a characteristic of resilience. And third is that this idea that resilience ends at your property line. And this is another thing that I think would be great to see moving into 2021 is this increased understanding of interdependencies across utilities and the weaknesses within those interdependencies. So this idea that, you know, is the substation that powers your facility in the floodplain? 
you know, what happened to your fuel supply when Sandy hit? Who are the upstream and downstream entities and people that can affect and be affected by your operation? So by recognizing, understanding, and building relationships within those interdependencies, you can uncover some scary things, but you can also develop extremely creative, cost-effective, and mutually beneficial solutions. Dave Bornman is a principal engineer at Arcadis and a former utility director. He has firsthand knowledge of the industry's resiliency strengths and opportunities. He cautions that overlooking people can pose a serious threat to resilience as well. The key to really the performance and being resilient is the operation and the, and the personnel and the tools they have to operate. Uh, you know, I can explain to you systems at, a, at the wastewater plant where, you know, if you're not training the operator correctly, uh, you won't attain the useful life of materials, um, whether it's, uh, again, the environment in a wastewater treatment facility are very re regressive. You deal with abrasion, corrosion, you know, there's off-gassing, there's all types of uh, conditions that can cause premature, you know, wear and failure. And uh, if you don't teach the operation and the proper maintenance, you will not, you, you will not sustain your, your resiliency and useful life. Uh, on the water side, again, it's a changing challenge with uh, regulations, you know, with the issues um, with uh, level of detection. Again, the knowledge of the people to, to manage and direct the work, to do it efficiently and proactively is, is really more critical than the, the physical system itself. You know, everything has to do with, with workforce. You know, if you look at Arcadis and our own Arcadis practices, uh, the people uh, are your number one uh, asset. You know, if you lose that asset, uh, you basically lose your play. And um, so safeguarding, you know, your assets and maybe even more what we see now with the pandemic and, you know, more vulnerable people, uh, vulnerable people also, the people who may retire uh, in a few years from now, there's a lot of expertise that sits with um, uh, the older generation. So how do you leverage that knowledge, that expertise and bridge it to, yeah, to resources the new generation can tap into? I was working with a facility in the South and one of their key concerns was workforce development and staff sort of retiring and not having succession plans in place. And so they derived or devised a buddy system and a, an incentive-based approach to succession planning, which I think was quite creative in order to help ensure that the folks that were on their way out were training and lifting up the junior staff. And it also was providing a path to greater kind of long-term professional development achievement and satisfaction for retention purposes. 2020 was a year unlike any other for resilience. The Atlantic hurricane season was the most active on record, and severe wildfires raged throughout the U.S. All of this during a pandemic that forced utilities to change operations and adapt to new solutions on the fly. Fortunately, uh, everybody recognizes that water, wastewater utilities and other utilities are frontline uh, services that that have to be maintained. And uh, again, the, the industry as a whole is very sound in the United States. It reacts to any crisis and they band together to work through it and to solve it. Well, I think we've learned that utilities can be incredibly creative and also that the industry has, as a whole 
is dedicated to continuity of operations. We we saw some Herculean responses by utilities that were facing you know, significant impacts to staffing as a result of the pandemic. I think the pandemic has certainly highlighted the need for improved adoption of technologies for remote operations and check-ins, as well as allowing for off-site support. Um, there's a lot of development around this. I think a challenge uh, that we have, you know, back to you know, the core business of, say, water utilities, um, that people need to be able to handle uh, those technologies because there's, you know, talking about the workforce uh, issue, the people who may retire in a couple of years from now, they may not be, you know, too savvy with uh, all the things, all the capability uh, that we currently have. So making sure those technologies are being embedded in a yeah, in in a logical way that uh, allow utilities to uh, to be effective, uh, I think is is a challenge. At the same time, you know, a tremendous opportunity because we all know that um, the way water utilities operate and function in you know say a few decades from now is different than how they operate right now. Another challenge facing utility leaders is balancing recovery from COVID nineteen with a broader holistic view on resilience. I think it's important for utilities to understand that they are completely intertwined. The reason that we have to go through a recovery process was because we were not prepared for the pandemic. So that means that we're just gonna keep going through the same cycle over and over again if we don't keep our eye on potential risks in the future or potential disruptors. Anytime that we solve a problem we need to be looking to see how many problems we can solve with the same dollar to stretch those dollars to do more for us to address both the risks of events that might happen once in a lifetime or once every 10 years alongside improving daily work uh, quality and daily work habits or just the experience of folks at work and and both all of those things are possible when you enable yourself to take a broader view of your risk and uh, the need to build resilience. We need to prepare for the disaster of, of the future. Um, you know, using the past as our benchmark, you really want to look forward uh, where we may be in 10, 20, 30 years from now, uh, depending on how our you know, urban centers uh, develop. For resilience, you know, if you look at uh, the New York City region, there's been a lot of focus on what happened uh, uh, after, us, uh, after Sandy. So the post-Sandy response is very different than what we currently see with the pandemic. Um, because, you know, two years ago, a year ago, we never thought about a pandemic and what the impact would be uh, on that urban center. Um, and the impact is yeah, very, very drastic. So I think, you know, trying to prepare for uh, what the future uh, uh, may entail is, is critical. Carly says developing partnerships with other facilities is part of a holistic approach to resilience. Our risk reduction or increase is affected by things that may be outside of our sphere of control, but maybe within our sphere of influence. And the more conversations that we have with our interdependent partners, because they're partners with us, whether we talk to them or not, the more conversations we have with them, the greater 
amount of time that we spend making sure that we understand deeply how we affect one another, the greater our influence will be to mitigate those risks and also to potentially partner on solutions and reduce costs and increase co-benefits to all of us. You know, that also has to do with funding and, and thinking about your own capital improvements, taking a broader perspective on your own capital improvements and what other capital improvements others might be planning that could affect your decisions and, and maybe partnering up in some cases. So we, I worked with um, a facility recently. They pushed their effluent through an outfall authority and the outfall authority, their power supply was at significant risk of flooding. And we ended up working together with the two entities to provide um, natural gas generators and some other solutions and elevating assets and hardening assets that would ultimately benefit both. Well, I think they need to lobby for funding. <laughs> um, there's a, a, they're a vital part of creating a livable society. And, and I think they have, uh, and, and again, there may be uh, some common ground amongst different utilities that they should uh, look at sharing resources, be more efficient. You know, there's there's common ground, and again, it depends on what part of the country you're in. You know, gas companies, water companies, different utilities. Uh, some uh, on the private sector, they're all one. Makes for more efficiency and more uh, cost savings. I do believe, again, uh, being a participant in research, don't work in silos, don't work with your head in the sand. While the shocks and stressors exposed some resilience gaps in 2020, social movements like Black Lives Matter brought new elements to the conversation diversity, equity, and inclusion. We may think like, well, that is not relevant to, to what we are dealing with with water utilities, but um, I think there's some really good thinking on how uh, these voices um, yeah, sh should be represented in uh, what we are dealing with, um, because there's also a lot we can, we can learn from those perspectives. Um, diversity, um, you know, uh, we, we, who are and what are we, we supporting? And there's many different takes on, you know, what resilience means, uh, all the layers of resilience within uh, communities. And, you know, a perspective from, say, you know, Jamaica Bay uh, is very uh, different than a perspective from uh, lower Manhattan, which is different from what we are doing in downtown Miami. Within a utility, for example, not engaging the people that could be affected by the decisions that you're making is going to reduce the technical integrity of your outcome. Also, a lot of the time I talk to engineers and they ask me like how equity is relevant to their work. And so I reframe it and that's this technical integrity concept. And so if you're not involving the people that could be affected by the outcomes of your decisions in your decision-making process, there's absolutely no guarantee that the outcomes of your decision are going to meet their objectives. They should uh, really uh, have, have very good communications within an organization and encourage uh, the people that, that are out there in the trenches, are out there you know, day-to-day -day working at the plants, make sure that they become a, a part of the discussions. Carly worked with a client in New Jersey to make changes that not only upgraded storm recovery, but improved quality of life for the people who work there. 
And during Sandy, this facility had about three feet of flooding in it. It was decimated and morale was low. And so while we were working on the planning process to reduce risk, we also started contemplating, you know, while we're in there and we're messing with certain assets just to get them back to working again, we should we should be thinking also about how to make them more resilient. And we should also be thinking and talking with the staff about how to make the, you know, this space work better for them. And they did that. And the increase in cost was just marginal. There was very little increase in cost. Uh, the, the, the risk has been significantly reduced and the morale of the staff increased significantly. Another example of a successful approach is what's happening at the New York City Department of Environmental Protection. The New York City DEP is adopting, you know, large-scale green infrastructure uh, works, um, and they are being uh, they are able to do so because you know the intergovernance, intergovernmental organization is yeah uh, operating at quite a high level, um, so they know what to do, they know how to do it. Um, they are taking yeah more of a watershed approach uh, to their solutions. Uh, that means you know green infrastructure solutions as they are being implemented uh, in a community uh, still you know tie back to uh, what the, what the watershed uh, is directing them to do. So there's that higher level thinking, you know, you can say upstream thinking, and it gives a good understanding of what needs to uh, happen more end of pipe in the community through green infrastructure implementation. When we look to 2021 and how utilities can continue to improve resiliency in the year ahead, Carly offers this advice. One of the things that the pandemic has demonstrated alongside a record year for hurricanes and wildfires and an increased awareness of social and environmental equity issues is that resilience is about being able to meet the mission despite any and all of this. So I think historically utilities and other sectors have focused sometimes on individual types of threats, not recognizing that all of these threats or issues or concerns are completely intertwined and the solutions to those should also be intertwined. It's sort of this concept that the age of single-purpose infrastructure needs to be over. Uh, it's the same story with any resilience-related solutions. You can't have flood protection and be brought to your knees by the pandemic and call yourself resilient. And we're going to continue to face multiple challenges and opportunities at any given point in time. And so I think 2021 is going to be about increasing the awareness that resilience is meeting your mission despite any and all of these, and also approaching resilience from a much more holistic perspective. Thanks for listening to the Fit for Future Utilities podcast series. In our next episodes, we'll examine how intelligent water, advanced asset management, and workforce are keys to a fit for future utility. In the meantime, to learn how Arcadis is improving quality of life in communities around the world, visit www.arcadis.com.